go. We're on. So is this camera centered? Yeah, I think it is. Hello. Hello. Uh, I'm supposed to say that because <clears throat> this is your Hello. host, Ben Crawford, on the Fight for Together show. And today, on episode 23, we have a very special guest. I can't be a you. special guest every single time. Yeah, you can. Special <laughs> guest. That's you're still interrupting the host. You're one of those guests. Mm-hmm. Apparently. Uh, to tonight, we ha- I think you guys will all be excited for who we have for you. Mother of six, cigar aficionado. Actually, that's very far from the truth. <laughs> She'll smoke most anything. Uh, I'm beginning to acquire a finer palate. I think. Uh, nursing uh, something and <clears throat> she completed the Appalachian Trail it is Cami Crawford you're listening to the Fight for Together podcast that might get old but but I like being the host alright and I think you're you are special I'm a special snowflake. Okay, episode 23. Can you believe it? Yeah, that's crazy. And we have 500 subscribers on YouTube on this channel. The comments are picking up. The um, messages are picking up. We're not. I'm, I'm just going to let you know. We're not going to have to cricket our audience today. That's exciting. Which is, which is huge. You guys have come a long ways. I mean, it wasn't always this way. You guys used to... Mm. Leave us hanging. It was lonely, those months. But no more. Um, so tonight, I thought we'd start off with a little bit of reading from the YouTube comments. I just got to warn you, we have quite a bit of reading tonight. Um, Cami, would you like to read this comment by mm-hmm. Eli from the podcast YouTube page? Yep. Eli says, having heterosexual sex is a choice, too. Sex is a choice. Well, consensual sex is. Also, recovery is awesome. That's awesome that you're in recovery and found a way and found the 12-step program worked for you. I have 12 years clean in NA, and I really believe in listening and learning how to work a program. And even better, letting go and letting others work their own programs so I don't have to judge and work their program for them. I love your cigarette example. It's like harm reduction, which many need some form of to make recovery work for them. So if you didn't listen to our last week's episode, this might not make sense to you. But I appreciate this line at the top, having heterosexual as a choice to you, because I think he's kind of calling me out a tiny bit because I said... Mm-hmm. that homosexual sex is a choice, which is a true statement that I stand by, but it's not unique to homosexuals, I think is what he's saying. Right. No, that's and, a good point. And I like that because anytime we can say something that would be more inclusive or universal, um, like just one example we've been learning to do is... Um, I think through reading that sex ed book of how the Dutch do sex ed, Mm -hmm. we used to say things like boys like basketball Mm -hmm. and girls like dolls. Yeah. And we've learned that's actually like not true. Um, Not all boys like basketball. And it's like 
maybe better to say some people like basketball and some mm-hmm. people don't. It's not about guys or girls. Mm-hmm. In this case, it's not about homosexuals or heterosexuals. It's about, you know, all sex is a choice. So I like that. I do too. Okay. Um, can you read this while I continue yep. to smoke? Oh, no, I want to read this one. Can I read uh, it? Yeah, you can read it. BB Mama comes back. Did I really get two <laughs> shout outs? Fuck yeah. <laughs> I listen to the podcast after I put babes to bed and while I work out. Always have. Vlogs, too. We have very similar opinions on things. I especially appreciate you sharing your process on teaching sex ed and how we raise children. Everyone I know still says pee-pee <laughs> when they reference a vagina or penis, including my own parents, and I can't stand it. <laughs> Maybe next Thanksgiving you should just be like, hey, my vagina is, what would you say? I don't know. I don't know how to end that sentence. I don't know. I'm not going to end it right now. P.S. My name is... Oh, okay, this is... She has this challenge here. P.S. My name is Sarah. Sierra. Sierra? I would love to hear you guys try to pronounce it. Not Sierra. Sierra. Oh, Sierra. Oh, okay. Sierra. Sierra. No one ever says it right, even in person, repeating it several times. Good luck Sierra. so this is not going to be the most effective form of communication especially since what i can gather is you're a couple weeks behind since you left us hanging last week with no comments <laughs> and we did cricket you yeah um so i apologize about that mm-hmm. um but you'll have to let us know if we pronounced it right but it might take a couple Sierra. weeks <laughs> you know okay okay um whoa right. this is a long comment but i like it okay i'm ready for the challenge uh, except for their name Martin Martin says, your podcast really made me think about the sex education I've had. I'm actually Dutch, 25 years old, and I don't recall having any sex education in school except for maybe a few hours in biology when I was 13, 14, and going to the sex museum when I was 11. Okay, pause. (laughs) Who goes to the sex museum when they're 11? Yeah, that's already advanced. So even though she's saying, it's kind of funny, she's saying... I didn't have, I don't really hardly remember sex ed. Going to the sex museum at 11 seemed like a normal thing, which is really fascinating, I think. Mm -hmm. Even though my parents didn't really have the sex education talk with us, they were very open about sex, though. But we also have a program on television called Squirting and Swallowing. (laughs) (laughs) What are you laughing about? Just because I'm American. They pretty much try, test, and talk about everything sex and drugs related. And and it's not just the basic stuff, but also BDSM, fetishes, sex toys, etc. They openly discuss this with celebrities, which I think encourages people to speak more open about sex. Also, they try every drug out there on TV to show the effects of the drugs, the fun stuff, but also the dangers, so that viewers can make their own decision on whether they want to use it or not. But if they decide to use it, at least they know how to use it safely. It's awesome, and I think it's been very important in the sex education of many young people in the Netherlands. Something that was very much talked about in school when we were 13, 14 was prostitution. We had to watch so many movies about prostitution, and especially stories of girls who were seduced by men with gifts, only to later find out they had to pay these gifts back with prostitution. Looking back at it now, this teaches us a lot about consent and having mutual respect for each other. Dude, I would have loved to have watched movies when I was 13 about prostitution. I think it, just even like acknowledging that 
that these things exist. I mean, I remember going mm-hmm. to um, the red light district in Amsterdam on a mission trip. Well, we were like, had a layover in Amsterdam. And everyone... On a mission trip. <laughs> yeah, we went to save <laughs> Europe. Um, and everyone acted like... I mean, it didn't exist. I mean, there's like snicker, snicker, like wink, wink. But mm-hmm. no one... Like, we didn't... I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, I, I like this last paragraph here. It, sorry to interrupt. Update. I'm writing while listening, so there's so much good stuff to comment about. Regarding nudity, we actually used to go to a lake when we were kids with our parents, nephews, and uncle and aunt, where all of us would be nude. It wasn't a nudist lake, but it was pretty normal to do that. Then when I became older, I started wearing bikinis, but at the age of 16, I went on holiday with my mom and brother, and I went to the beach without a bikini top, and have been doing that on occasion ever since. It's not really common, but it's also not very weird looked upon just do your own thing that's why yeah that's not my experience <laughs> i'll just say that you did it when you were 38 uh or yeah and even wearing a bikini took me i was well into my 20s before i did that and this is what i want people to see from our experience at the nudist resort is that there's options like other times in history people didn't even have access to the types of clothes we have mm. what especially other cultures and internationally to this day people do things differently and mm-hmm. when you when you are talking to us going to a nudist resort and dropping just a ton of bible verses about how wrong we are it's really saying you're better than every country culture nationally and historically (laughs) and that's what i love about stories like this is is it's just not weird to some it it was weird for us for sure i think it helps dispel some ignorance on people's part if they're willing to listen uh i like this who is this from um we don't know sorry about that i cut off the name (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Jenny. It's oh, down there. Jenny. Okay. Jenny says, I like this episode a lot. I've been watching from the beginning these last few months, and I always think of questions, but it feels pointless to comment on old material. It's not pointless to us, by the way. But For example, regarding the people-pleasing question and the start of FFT, watching the old episodes, I wondered for a while now, Cammie, did you feel you had a voice when this all started? Were you an equal creator, or was there an urge to not rock the boat, just going along with this crazy idea? Ben has such a big personality. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Ben has such a big, uh, what is that word? Oh, personality. Okay. Whoa. (laughs) I imagine sometimes. A little saucy with a pee-pee. It's difficult when he becomes passionate about something you are not certain about. As a viewer, I see positive changes as the vlog progresses and now with your podcasts. Do you feel these last few years have been a positive experience? Would you have done things differently? I find a lot of comfort in your vlogs and podcasts. Keep up the good work. I really liked her questions. Uh, They were really insightful. I was just going to use that same word. (laughs) Insightful. Um, And... I did, I, when this first started, I, 
I have an answer to it. I want to hear yours first. Well, yeah, let me let me slow process because um, that's what I like. That's what I do. Uh, Holy crap! By the way, okay. <laughs> I just have to say this: when I edit Cammy's audio of her talking, it is so painful. You guys all should be sending me gift cards for the editing Whatever I do. Whatever the fuck. Okay. What do you know? Okay. I'm not talking to you, first of all. I'm talking to our, you're the guest, mm. and I'm talking to our audience, okay? I'm the host, remember that? And being a slow processor, I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think you're any less of a person. Okay. But it takes forever, because you're like, yeah. uh. And then I, wait, no, uh, but, okay, so, uh, uh, okay, no, no. Mm-hmm. and I cut out 30 seconds, like, out of every minute and a half. And I'm just saying, I love you. Thank you. Sweetie. Love me too. You're welcome. Podcast. Vlog audience. I have changed quite a bit since we first started the vlog. I definitely think this was Ben's idea. I would not have done it on my own. Or would have had the idea to do it on my own. I am more comfortable in the supporter role. And I think... Ben is more comfortable in the leader role. Has nothing to do with our genders, I don't think, anymore. Um, and But as the years have gone by, I think I've learned how to speak up more, that I have my own opinions, my opinions matter, all the stuff that I've grown in. So it's, it's, been, a, it's been a wild ride. And there's a slight, um, so my answer, I agree with everything Cammy said, but I would add a, a variation. The way this question sounds, it's kind of like A or B. Um, not a bad way, but it's like, okay, did you feel like you had a voice when it all started or were you just going along with a crazy idea? I would say it's actually option C. Like, well, first of all, you didn't have a voice when we started in almost any area, like compared to now. I felt like you were very like, submissive and passive yep and once again this is not having to do with genders or belief Mm -mm. this is just i think actually it has to do with has to do with a coupling of my personality and how i was brought up and like trauma probably yeah um so cammy was very subdued and it's been very hard for me to like uh encourage her to for her voice to be louder and actually not much of it is my doing I, I do support it but i think therapy and you just maturing and becoming braver and bolder and all those things yeah. but in terms of you know just going along with this crazy idea you never thought it was crazy it just wasn't Mm-mm. yours you didn't really care and that's that's the dynamic i, I was excited about it for me uh, no i wanted to be fa- well, you, famous <laughs> okay. But you didn't ever want to pick up the camera is what I'm saying. That's for gosh dang sure. So I, I'm just saying like the hit, the history of our relationship, like I want to go out and do shit and like mm-hmm. go places. And you almost, you don't think it's a crazy idea. You're just like not, you just don't care. You like would rather stay home. I was more a wallflower. And read books <laughs> and like, yeah, you know, so you don't think I'm crazy. Like I don't, I've never felt that from you, but. You're also not, it's not your thing. Now, over the years, Mm -hmm. the vlog and the podcast, while I take more of a director role, Mm -hmm. 
I sense that you fully back it and it's much more 50-50 now. I mean, even you being on the comments lately, all that kind of stuff. So, Yep. All right. Those are our comments from last week. Yeah. Thank you. Keep them coming. Tonight's topic, we are going to be reading this article, which I published at a Fight for Together Facebook page, if you guys saw it there. But I thought it was it was worth a discussion because it's actually a major theme in our life. And this is taken from The Atlantic, I believe. And it's very short, so I'm going to post the link. So if you're interested, you can go and find it. And this is from a column called Dear Therapist. And the title of this is Dear Therapist, My Daughter Hasn't Wanted a Relationship with Me for 25 Years. And the little subtitle says, I want to reestablish our connection, but she won't even acknowledge me at family events. So I'm just going to read this and it gets a little long but we'll just comment as it goes so this is the question dear therapist and i'm cutting some out my daughter is now 48 years old and her sister is 27 and 28 so these are grown people although we have encountered one another at extended family events graduations weddings etc she does not acknowledge me what my wife or her sisters I want to reestablish a connection and my younger daughters are disappointed that she doesn't want to get to know them Over the years, I have tried various overtures to reconcile. I've been sending Christmas and birthday cards every year. And once or twice, I've written notes inquiring about her life and interests and concerns, but no response. I'm 70 years old now and a cancer survivor, and I hurt every day about this situation. I so want to have her back in my life, connecting with her sisters. What can I do? And I don't know if it matters, but this is a male... Mike from Philadelphia. So this is the therapist's response. And this therapist is, um, her name is Lori Gottlieb. She's the author of a book. I can play a therapist if you want. Oh, please do. Uh, We just have to like, I think we might respond. No, respond like every paragraph or so, but we're going to read the sections in the green. Dear Mike, Being estranged from your daughter is understandably painful. Your love for her comes across in your letter. And you should know that many parents are living with a similar kind of heartbreak. If you want to reconnect with your daughter, though, you'll need to get curious about her pain. The pain that has made the idea of contact with you so hard for her. Okay. Is that the end of the first paragraph? So, there's a couple reasons why I want to talk about this tonight. I mean, this has got got to be something that so many people oh, I deal bet. with, right? Um, I do. <laughs> Cammy's raising her hand. <laughs> I'm raising my hand. And I'll bet you there's a lot of pain on the child side. Like everyone here has parents, mm-hmm. and there's probably going to be some pain in regards to wishing our parents. Um, would listen to our pain. Right. But the side that I also really want to address, because we can't do anything about that, I don't think, mm-hmm. is we, some of us, play the role as parents mm-hmm. um, and 
can be listening to this as if we're the parent ourselves and how we deal with our children. So that line right there where the therapist suggests you'll need to get curious about her pain. Yeah. I think that's a tough pill to swallow. Mm -hmm. It's easy to read on paper, but, and maybe I'm giving away some of this article. Let's keep on reading because, uh, yeah. All right. I don't know how your divorce and subsequent remarriage affected your daughter, but in ways you may not have realized she got hurt. Although she was a bridesmaid at your wedding and seemed accepting of the situation, there's a good chance that her feelings ran deeper. Often in these situations, parents want so badly for their kids to be okay with what's going on. Because, let's face it, for you, your new marriage was a happy event. But they don't see what's happening beneath the surface with their children. Your daughter likely tried, in her college-age way, to let you know she was upset about something, and if she didn't feel heard then, you were going to have to hear her now. Is that the end of the yeah. paragraph? Pause. So, what stands out to me in this paragraph is saying your daughter likely tried in her college age way to let you know how she was upset about something i think it's saying that we need to try to listen to our kids in the way in the language that they're trying to speak whether it's actual words or it's nonverbal cues um And so we have to enter their reality and not just stay in our own reality. If we want to have a relationship with them. Yeah. If we want to listen to them. And And that's what's so cool about this article, I think, is that this article doesn't get into what actually happened, which makes means it's almost irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Yeah. I mean, maybe the daughter's a bitch and the dad didn't do anything, Mm -hmm. but... If she's feeling pain and coming from the dad's perspective in this case, if he actually wants to have relationship with her, these are principles, according to this therapist, that he has to understand regardless of whose fault it was or what actually happened. It just doesn't matter. So I just want to paint a picture of what how we deal with this right now. Well, there's a real life example that I dealt with yesterday and today which was my 17 year old and i've we've discussed some projects stuff that she was going to do some editing some instagram work and she didn't do them on time and she spends a lot of time on facetime and texting teenagers and cousins and blasting music and she doing has, what she wants to do she has all sorts of time for the stuff she values but when it comes to our agreement she's not doing it mm-hmm. all of it And I was pretty upset and pretty peeved. And we sat down and she starts talking about kind of like blaming me for um, the way I communicate to her about her past Instagram posts saying, oh, they could have been better or this or that. And well, I guess I use that word on purpose, but that's the word in speculation, blaming it's really easy for me to just say, okay, stop blaming me. If you want to talk to me, do it with a level head and this tone of voice and don't accuse me and then I'll listen. 
But for her 17-year-old self, let's just assume that's the best that she has. She's Not, not to mention you're her dad. And it's probably scary. Yeah. And it's hard, I think, for her to be able to talk to you like an adult. I mean, it's just different. So she's telling me in her way that what I did hurt her. And she might not be using those words or the right tone or the right words or the right whatever. And But I have two choices at that point. I can mm-hmm. say, you're wrong. I'm right. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe I'm right. Maybe, you know, it's not best or whatever. But I think what he's saying is, as a parent, it doesn't matter. If you want to have relationship, I have to learn to be able to take what she can give and I guess I want to rephrase this. I don't have to do that. But when she doesn't want to talk to me, I shouldn't be surprised mm. if she doesn't feel safe sharing her, her feelings or pain in the future. And that's something as a dad or as a parent, I want my kids to come to me with their future pain and their future resentment and their future frustrations so that we don't develop gaps, whether it's one day or one week or 25 years mm-hmm. yep. but it's hard to you know i feel like in a way i'm validating her um childish and i'll use quotation marks on that but her childish way of communicating i mean and i think the ultimate example for us right now with this is rainier and i think you're really good at this so rainier will be like screaming his brains out and i'll be like shut up i mean I don't really say that, but in my head, I'm like, shut up. <laughs> uh, if you have a problem, use your words. You know, that's what I, and I hear people say that, and I, I don't think I really say that now, but I used to have that emphasis with all of our kids. We've raised them this way. So if you don't say please or thank you and speak in a level tone without a lot of crazy-ass emotion, then mm-hmm. it's not even valid. I'm not even going to recognize it. But he's doing the best he can. Or even if he's not, it just doesn't matter. I have the choice as the parent to listen to the pain or to ignore it under the guise of holding him to some higher standard. Hmm. And like I said, you guys, we might be right er er writer er <laughs> if that's even a thing, by saying you should be saying this in a level-headed tone of voice. But if the relationship stops existing... Does it matter? Hmm. And are, am I really right? And maybe they even can't do that. So we're we're trying to put the standard on them that they're not. So it's unrealistic. Able to do yeah. Okay. Moving on. To hear her, you'll need to acknowledge that the two of you have what therapists call separate realities. Parents, for example, tend to believe that they acted in the best interests of their children, while the children may feel that their parents failed to do just that. Both realities, in quotes, are valid because they are simply two perspectives on the same situation. Separate realities are a normal part of any relationship, including between spouses or siblings or friends. And relationships go more smoothly when each person can see some truth in the other's reality. But, <clears throat> but there's a caveat. When it comes to children who are hurting, 
including adult children such as your daughter, it's a parent's job to make the effort to see the child's reality first. Mic drop. <laughs> For me, anyways. Oh, yeah? Why is that? We actually, we don't have a mic drop, but we do have... A bomb drop. But I think you should, I don't... You'll have yeah. to, you'll have to <clears throat> explain that before we drop the bomb again. Yeah. I've really struggled in my reality <laughs> with my parents to not feel guilty for not pursuing them more, even when I have all this pain. And so to be able to hear this, that it's actually a parent's job to make the effort to see the child's reality first, to see it like in writing from a therapist is very validating for me. Because you feel like your parents kind of put that on you. That's how I feel, yeah. And siblings have, I feel like, have put that on me. That that's the reality, the, the familial reality that I grew up in. Um, so that's a really an emotional mic drop for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I want to clarify. Yes, emotional mic drop for me. Because um, this even includes adult children. Because um, it's pretty, it's more clear I think for people to see this with children who are still children as in their age but even in an adult child relating to a parent it's still so can we back up Mm -hmm. because the reality yeah we need to talk about what we're even talking about here is could be earth shattering for some people I think this reality That's crazy that I just used that word because that's what we're talking about, but I didn't mean it that way. This perspective is what changed our marriage communication, like probably the biggest single change. Because I'll I'll just put it this way. Our fights used to be, they used to go like this. I would say, you were rude to me. And you would say, no, I wasn't. And then I would brilliantly come back and say, Yes, you were. <laughs> and then Cammy, like an idiot, would say, no, I wasn't. And I would think, and I'd be like, yes, you were. And those are that well, was like our fight. I think it's very natural to live in your own reality and not to be able to see someone else's reality. I think it's the next level maturity to be able to see someone else's reality and to see it as just as valid as yours. Well, there's a moral philosophy thing going on there too, which is we believed in like one absolute truth and that I was closer to it and better to it than you were. Mm-hmm. And almost everyone thinks that way, you know? So yeah. it's like, well, which one is right? Um, and when I started going to 12-step groups, it was really weird because – the emphasis of 12-step groups was, and I think we touched on this last week, but it was just like, you're only allowed to talk about yourself. So no matter how much of, of a bitch I thought Cammy was that week, I wasn't at liberty to talk about it. I was only able to talk about myself. Mm-hmm. And it just took the spotlight that I was holding 
on really the rest of the world, but you were the easiest target because the most conflict in my life came up from you just because of our relationship. And I shined it on myself. And when I shined it on myself, you get that whole phenomenon that Jesus was like famous for saying when everyone was ready to like stone the hooker. And he said, okay, um, whoever has no sin, throw the first stone. He's like saying, yeah, okay, I'm fine with stoning people, but uh, shine the light on yourself first. And then, of course, Mm -hmm. no one, everyone just walked away because uh, now all of a sudden when you're looking at yourself, it's not so much fun a game. Mm -hmm. And so in going to 12-step groups, I think we just developed this um, habit of looking at ourselves and then when it came to communication, we communicated about ourselves. Mm-hmm. So before where I would say like you were, what was my example? You were um, being rude. I, we would change that language to say, I was hurt by what you said. When you said this, it hurt me. And it sounds like a very slight change, but it was huge mm-hmm. because it was admitting and acknowledging that there's another side. And Cammy then might say, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. I did not mean that to hurt you at all. I mm-hmm. meant this, but I'm actually really sorry you were hurt by that. Um, you know, but she can now, I, she has permission to share her side and I'm listening for her perspective instead of the other way, which was you were rude. I'm making an absolute statement about you. Mm-hmm. And you have to really defend yourself at that point. Well, you're trying to... In that statement, you're trying to own my own reality. When All you, reality. When you, right. When you should be just owning your own. So with kids, you know, with Dove, using this as an example, the example he says is, you know, parents are doing their best. And that's a reality. Mm-hmm. And that's really important. You know, that's that great. Is. And I assume most everyone that's listening to this, and th- this is, I think, a difference between us and a lot of people out there. I've come to believe that I think most people are doing their best. Yeah. Even the people in jail. Um, that given the parents they had and the, and the past they had, they're probably doing their best. Yep. And um, where was I going with that? Uh, with my kids, when they're communicating, they're doing their... Oh, sorry. We were talking about parents. Yeah, parents are doing their best. Okay. Yeah. So when a kid says something... I like to almost come up, come on top, you know, and say, yeah, but that's not valid because I'm doing my best, which is not acknowledging their reality, Mm -hmm. which is like, even though I'm doing my best, you are still hurt. And Mm -hmm. that's actually okay. I don't have to feel like an, I I think oftentimes there's a fear of inadequacy. Like I'm going to feel like a shitty parent. Yeah. And I'm okay with being a shitty parent. I'm never claiming to be a good parent. Mm-hmm. And that's that's one. I think that's a superpower for us, and I think it's a super superpower that anyone can adopt. It's just like give up, like yeah. be okay with just. It doesn't matter. Like forget about the trophy. There's no reward. Just say like you know what I'm doing my best. That's it. Just acknowledge that you are gonna hurt your kids, and when so when that they actually have the courage to tell you you hurt me, you can then own it. Oh yeah, I knew this. This was gonna happen. <laughs> Not only do I want to own it. Mm-hmm. I want to praise them yeah. for coming to me and being like, you know what? That took a ton of courage. Yeah. And I'm so glad you did that. Because and foster that. By because not if you don't do down. that, if yeah. you shove it, 
down, mm-hmm. you know, eventually the, you're going to be worn out by me or the yeah. relationship and you're going to pull back and you're not going to tell me. And then I'll be wondering why I'm alone on Christmas and none of my kids are talking to me. Yeah. Ooh, this is heavy. Heavy. I like it. <laughs> All right. Continuing here. That's why your contact with your daughter over the years, though well-meaning, has probably felt a bit tone-deaf to her. By sending annual holiday cards and asking once or twice in the course of two decades... Wait, are you reading the whole thing? Oh, do you want me to stop? Well, yeah, because it's just just those paragraphs and just the underlines. Okay. Of course, it's hard for most parents to hear how they disappointed their kids, especially if they tried their absolute best. But unless you can see how you contributed to her feelings of anger or hurt, nothing will change between you. So this speaks to what we said, which is everyone's trying their best, assuming that. Um, But still, as parents, we do contribute to our kids' pain in life. Somehow, some way. <laughs> yeah. And <clears throat> I guess I should have said this about the previous comment, but, you know, in terms of why should parents be the ones, um, I guess there's a, um, you know, one of the things we talked to about our therapist recently that I think this directly flies in the face of is there's a belief out there that children should respect your elders and respect and honor are the most important things well and they look a certain way too okay that's your baggage yeah i'll own it all right um yes and some people believe it should look a certain way Mm -hmm. but even just as principles yeah um they're the most important and that it's our kid's job to figure us out, figure the relationship out, and come to us in the way that we want. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to change because I'm the older person and I don't have to change. Mm-hmm. That is a very prevalent belief, especially for some reason, it seems like, among religious folks. Well, that gets into the, I think it's because of, they have Bible verses to back it up. Which that, <laughs> talk about pissing me off. That pisses me off. <clears throat> because... You know, if people are claiming to follow Jesus, I mean, other religions I don't really understand. I'm not, but growing up in the Christian religion, if you're claiming to follow Jesus, the high road is the low road. It's the sacrificial laying down your life road. So if you can't lay down your life in an argument, what's the point? And I'm saying this not as if like I've mastered this, but we should at least agree on what the point of the religion is. It's not to be right. So, anyhow, I think that idea that it's my kid's job to come to me and I don't have to change, that's got to (laughs) go. I mean, if we want to have relationship. And I, unfortunately, I know a lot of parents that are like religious leaders and their kids don't talk to them. And that makes me sick to my stomach because they're talking about God, but their kids won't talk to them. And they're, like, doing all these, like, trying to save people's asses all over the world. And, oh. That's a rabbit hole. Can of worms. 
Okay. You can start with a sincere apology. A sincere apology is heartfelt and em empathic, empathic, and entirely about the person receiving it. Notice that the apology doesn't ask for her forgiveness, something that would lessen your pain. It doesn't offer reasons or justifications for why you may have made certain choices that affected her. It doesn't imply that she's overly sensitive. It doesn't manipulate her with your age or health status. Yeah. So this is where saying that if you want, if you're apologizing to rebuild the relationship, the apology needs to be written with the audience in mind. It's for the audience. And this is, this is the tough one because this is true of any other piece of literature. Like if you write a children's book, you don't write it in Latin or you don't use complex words. You write very simple words. But I think what he is pointing out is that a lot of apologies, quote unquote, and, you know, growing up hearing mega pastors apologize when they, you know, do sexy wrong things. The apology, there's like this whole like culture of internet, like people that are like dissecting these apologies for basically how fraudulent they are and manipulative. Because the apologies are, they basically, and this is actually true of vloggers too, there's a way of apologizing where you basically don't own anything. It's just a PR move. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not helpful to any of the victims or it's kind of just like you have to acknowledge it at a point. So you just acknowledge they're, it, but. They're probably not ready to apologize but they're apologizing because they're getting their ass kicked in certain ways. But he gives he gives examples of how of the types of things that someone might say that are manipulative. She does, yeah. Um, oh yeah, sorry, she does. What, what what are those examples again? Can I see this? Um, um, yeah, go for it. Where is it? Up here. Yeah, so, you know, the implying that she's overly sensitive and the examples are I'm sorry if I hurt you. Um that's different from I'm sorry that I hurt you, which is which is owning it. Um, you're saying the apology, you're putting yourself in her shoes and asking yourself, how is she going to hear this? And I think, I think when you do that, you would take out all those other things of asking for forgiveness or saying... I'm sorry if I hurt you. And this is close to home because we actually got a letter from a family member recently. And it was talking about parents. And it was talking about the age of parents. And it said, like, mom and dad are getting old. And at first I saw that and I was like, oh, whatever. You know, it's kind of a weird thing. But now I can see from reading this because she says it doesn't manipulate her with your age or health status. So if you're like mom and dad are getting old and people are going to die, it's like, Oh, really? Every day people get older? <laughs> so obviously they're not informing you of some like, but it's not a letter about science. It's a letter using information to try and get you to act a certain way. Mm -hmm. What they're basically saying is time is running out and you're on the wrong side of the law. So do what I want you to do. You know, it's using, mm -hmm. it's, it's manipulative. It's shame based probably. 
mm-hmm. um, saying like, oh, if I were to die, you know, you'd re- you should regret it the way mm-hmm. things are now. So that's a, that's a sneaky yeah. son of a bitch right there. Yep. That's it. Yeah, that's it. There's more to the article, but we just gave you highlights. Now, I want to, um, just because we, we've had some experience with apology letters, highlight a difference here, just for my own sake. And that is, sometimes it's good to write apology letters not for the audience, but for myself and maybe maybe it is for the audience it's it's hard to know um exactly but in in 12 step work there's some of the steps involved doing like a character inventory and just coming to a reckoning of what you've done in your past and who you've become and some things that you're not proud about and you wish you would have done differently and and at least now you would like to change moving forward and there can be a certain degree, I think, that's helpful for us of coming clean. Mm-hmm. And when that's done, sometimes it doesn't really matter how your audience will receive it. You just have to, like, get it right. And I think we want to do it in a way that doesn't further harm right. the intended recipient. And, yeah. and by the way, I don't think this would really apply to your children because I think that maybe has a different responsibility where you would you should act in their best interests or, you know. Yeah, it it seems like there's a difference there than in any other relationship. But sometimes, um, you know, we go through life changes and there's a certain degree of needing to announce to the world like, hey, I'm I'm doing this differently now and I wish I wouldn't have. And, and we've done this on the vlog where a lot of our beliefs we used to be more outspoken about and we don't believe them anymore. And we want to come out and say, hey, guys, we said this and, and we don't believe that anymore. And some of you guys mm-hmm. might take it good. Some of you might take it bad. But we just have to kind of say it to come clean, to be honest. For our own clarification. For yeah, ourselves. because I want to be I want to be held accountable and have integrity and, you know, sometimes I, it can be for your own sanity, for your own health. So that's um that's it for that. So we're going to post this link to this article. You can check it out. I would love to see um questions in the comments or maybe not just questions, but examples of how you guys think this could actually apply to your life right now. And and like I said in the beginning, I there there's a helpful way for us to hear this and the story Cammy told was in reference to uh, her family members, older than her. But I think the more applicable way or practical way, instead of sitting around waiting for our parents to acknowledge us, or worse, (laughs) forwarding this article to our parents. You might wait the rest of your life. (laughs) Be like, hey, mom and dad, I thought you might find this interesting. Uh, Take a look. Uh, Good luck with that one. (laughs) um, But is actually just putting this into action with ourselves and the future generation yeah i think for myself i've had to value my own health and my own growth and see that as actually separate from 
my parents or any of my family members. And that's been a hard thing to come to grips with, but I think it's possible. Um, yeah. Ben's lighting a cigar. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys are in luck. Because we have phone calls today. Hi, Cammie and Ben. Here's a question for your question segment. Um, you mentioned in the past how terrible you think mortgages are and that they're a trap um, kind of thing. But I'm just wondering, like, in your opinion, what is a better alternative for a lot of people, especially depending on the location? It might be completely unrealistic to buy a house out of pocket. So do you think, like, point blank, it's better to rent indefinitely until you can buy straight out? Not going to obviously, like, base my actions on whatever you say, but I'm just curious on your perspective and kind of maybe what you might have done differently if you hadn't had such great financial success, like, early on in your adult life. Awesome. Thank you. That's a great question. Mm -hmm. So I think what this person is referencing, and I don't think I got her name, <clears throat> was I am against mortgages. Um, stronger than I probably should be <laughs> because of my history and my belief system, especially with my desire for freedom. So what do I think is an alternative? And I guess I'll say this, how I've changed over the years is to see some other side. So there, there are dangers to mortgages that I think are mm -hmm. underspoken in our culture. And the way I would like to communicate my current stance is I, I want to... I believe there are dangers more than people realize and I'd like to communicate those in a way that people can understand them but at the end of the day you have to make the best decision with what you got <clears throat> and the, the the dangers that I see with mortgages are I'm gonna list just two or three things one is you're spending money you don't have and that might sound basic but when you spend money you don't have it causes you to live a lifestyle that's somewhat artificial and where it's easy to develop a sense of entitlement around something that's essentially fictional. You know, um, you could be living, and we've done this, we lived in a half million dollar house and we had $100,000 and we started to live a half million dollar lifestyle because you have to buy things for the half million dollar house. And then, you know, it doesn't make sense to live in a half million dollar house and not have cable. And there's a couple dangers with this, and that is that you're basically, once you start on that path of spending money you don't have, it never stops for most people. Because the amount of things that they buy, um, like I said, you, you've already told yourself that it's okay to spend things you don't have. So the lifestyle kind of goes along with that. So <clears throat> what are the concrete dangers of this? Well, one is you're just gonna have less over your lifetime. When you're paying interest your entire life, your entire adult life, whether it be mortgage interest or credit cards, um, you know, where I can spend $100,000, other people are spending $80,000, and they're giving $20,000 to a rich bank in New York. The other uh, thing is that we found we're not just leveraging our money, but we're leveraging ourselves and our character so when you you're kind of like just already behind 
you know, and you have to now work. You can't take as many vacations as you'd like. You can't do the passion projects you would like because you're constantly catching up. So we spent, even though we were making a ton of money, because we were in this lifestyle, we were always catching up um, emotionally, uh, time-wise, financially. And Mortgage is a fancy word for debt, I think. <laughs> anytime you're in debt. It's not that fancy. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, anytime you're in debt, you're having to, your your focus has to be on paying it back. I'm in debt. Yeah, I have to pay it back. Which takes over one of the things I love about our life now. Well, I don't consider extravagant, although we are smoking cigars. It's all relative, isn't it? <laughs> it is all relative. Um, is that we our first um, our our brain our first fruits of energy? Sorry, it's a spiritual term. <laughs> I don't have a better one right now. Uh, <laughs> coming out. If that triggers some of you. Um, our first fruits of our brain go towards our passion projects. So the books we're writing, this vlog, this podcast, um, my kids, my relationship, my relationship with you, uh, our sex life. I mean, that sounds silly, but that takes, you know, these retreats, these things we put a lot of energy into, our therapy, our personal growth. And when I had a mortgage, in the back of my mind, that was always my priority. Okay, I'm completely not answering that question. But we've, we've found, too, that for some people, having a home that at least, even if it's artificial, they can call it their own, was worth it to them. So a mortgage was worth it to them. Yeah, but the, but they if you don't know the alternative, yeah. if you've never lived the alternative, then I think you should, with humility, at least say that maybe you don't know, mm-hmm. you know, cause everyone says it's worth it to them. Cause it's the life we're living is all we ever know. And until you've been out of debt and you look back. Yeah. I think it's just, I'm playing devil's advocate. Like, I think it's just hard because everyone is doing it. Not everyone, but a lot. I mean, our culture is very much so own your own home. Yes. You know, so, to, so to answer person. your question though, yeah, I mean, I know this sucks, and I hate to say it, you guys, but I feel like the best option is to wait. And what happens when you wait and you rent a place or you downgrade or you cram into a one- or two-bedroom or three-bedroom or less than you think you deserve is it lights a fire under your at your ass, and I guarantee you'll save more then if so it might take five years or 10 years or 20 years mm-hmm. but ironically some of our best times have been living in a one bedroom apartment hell living in a tent for six months <laughs> you know i mean you can just view it as camping and, and other cultures historically do this mm-hmm. um so i know that's not a popular viewpoint but spending money you don't have i think is a systemic mindset you feel so you renting you'd feel pain more shorthand but not the pain you'd feel longhand if you had but the pain is good the pain is yeah. real it's that it's a real yeah. so that having buying a big house makes the pain go away which the pain is what motivates you to cancel netflix and to yeah. s- not eat out and to you know for someone that's making let's just say 50 grand a year you know, I think most families, if they had to, if they wanted to eat beans, 
could save up cash for a house in four years. Mm-hmm. But we don't want to eat beans. Yeah. You know? Okay. You got me soapbox in there. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's very close to Ben's heart, those questions. You're pretty passionate about it. So I just want to, I just want to, yeah, pose that option, at least out there. And then, you know, I get it. There is a lot of pressure and everyone wants to own a home. Um, if you guys want to read some crazy, some crazy viewpoints on this, look up James Altiker. He has some, he has some articles about homeownership that make mine look mellow. <laughs> and like that guy, he just lives in Airbnbs, I think. That's and funny. I'll try and post some articles um, below. I'm going to mm-hmm. write that down so I remember because I think it's really, it's just good to have another voice. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, next phone call. Hey, Ben and Cammy, this is Jen from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I've been powering through your podcast for the last two weeks and your blog, actually. Um, and one thing that kind of resonates with me that you often discuss is family rules and family dynamics. Um, admittedly, I am not a parent, um, but I am in my mid-30s now, and work with kids, especially middle school and teenagers, where I have a like outside wide view perspective of parenting. Um, I've seen all kinds of kids and all kinds of parenting models, and I think uh, I have shared your podcast and your blog often with families because what I think is super important that you guys are doing is when you see something's not working or you see a direction that your family's going and you, you kind of want to halt it, you change your parenting style or your methods, and I think that's super important that you're open and you're willing to say, hey, we don't have the answers right now, but we're willing to try and solve this problem the best that we can. And I think oftentimes people get stuck in that rut of this is how I do things, this is how we run our home forget whether it's working or not or maybe you don't see it's working maybe you don't see it's not working I mean Um, and you're unable to change your methods maybe it's how you're brought up maybe it's how you were raised this is the only way that we do things but I'm super appreciative of your perspective being open and saying hey we don't have all the answers Um, we, we haven't figured it out yet but we're willing to try any method to give our kids you know, the leg up in life to um, kind of fill their young minds with what are their interests, how can they be successful, what direction do they want to go, we want to be open to kind of changing because we know teams can move in any direction, any given way the wind blows that minute. So thank you guys so much, and I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, both your podcast and your vlog, so keep on keeping on. Thanks, Jen from yeah, Georgia. That's, I think that's your perspective is really valuable because actually you not being a parent enables you to be able to see, like you said, from this outside viewpoint where you're not, you're not in the game uh, or as emotionally involved in the same way. So that's really valuable. I think it's really cool when people listen to our 
stuff that are at different stages of life than we are, whether they don't have kids at all or they're not mm. married or they're not straight yeah. or they don't believe what in our belief system, yeah. but yet they're still able to learn. I think that's huge. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we've said quite a bit. This We don't do a how-to thing. You know, it's not a how-to vlog or podcast. And um, I think what you're saying about us is the what I would see as our greatest asset. If there's anything I think we're doing right, you know, it's humility in terms of, like, I just don't – I'm expecting – using the topic we had for the day, I'm expecting my kids to come to me. No, even though – a lot of people in the comment section say we're the most awesome parents ever. I don't listen to those comments because it's not helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's probably what they want to think about themselves. Um, or they put us in this like role model position. But that's not going to work out so great when our kids come to us hurt when they're in their 20s. And we're like, no, read the comments. I'm the most awesome parent ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I want to be humble. And I wanna, yeah. I'm just ready to apologize. I want to get really, really good at apologizing to my kids so that when they come to me, and they say, you screwed me over. I can be like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And I've, in our age, I've come to a point where I'm like, I used to get just get really excited about every stage of parenting we're at. And be like, this is it. We're going to be doing this forever. We finally landed on the holy grail of parenting. But now all I know is that whatever it looks like now, it's not going to look like that in five years. And we always want to be growing and changing. So, And I think... I think it's important, I have found, to not have a closed system where you're not open to outside input of any kind from any person. I mean, even the most hateful comments sometimes, I mean, help me to at least think. I don't want to dwell on the hate, per se, but there could be some truth in there. So... I think it is important to just to listen and not just to have this closed system of this is the way we do things and we're always just going to do things this way. And I'm, I'm obsessed with a good story and a good story, like the things that make stories awesome, I think, is when you see a character change. And what I found is most people, including myself, we don't want to be the agent of change. We want to have like gotten it right, you know, write the New York times bestseller when you're 20 and then just be awesomer or changes when you're 40. Yeah. Change is painful. (laughs) And right now, um, you know, I look at our old vlogs and they make me cringe, you know, from three years ago, it's like painful to look at what we believed in a way. If I'm focusing on, what I believed then is the point. But what the point is for me is, wow, look how far we've come. Yeah. And I want, in three years, when I'm looking back at these podcasts, I want it to be painful. I want it to be cringy and be like, <laughs> oh, dang. I think it can also be beautiful. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what, when you look at the story of yeah. the story of the star- growth story and change. Arc. Yes. And that it takes humility to grow and change, that story is beautiful. But yeah. if you just focus on the beliefs... You know, so this vlog is not, or the podcast is not about Game of Thrones or apologizing or sex ed. Those are all just like, you know, conversations that we're having. But in three years, well, we'll still be talking about sex. But But we hope our conversations look somewhat different. That's cool. Here's the final question, comment for the day. Hi, all. This is Kathleen from D.C., and I've been watching your blog 
Bulldog since he started hiking the Appalachian Trail. And um, I have been watching him further from that, too. And I know you guys talked about how you had a very conservative beginning. So I just wondered, um, based on your very conservative beginnings, when you started to get tattoos and cigars, and if that was like the moment you started to change your, your beliefs and, um, you know, how to regard your body. Thank you. Thanks, Kathleen. Um, well, as far as tattoos go, I think we've been getting them for a long time, especially you. The day I turned 18. <laughs> and cigars, <clears throat> yeah, I don't, Ben's been into them for years. I've been into them for the last two. I think. Conservative means different things to different yeah. people. So we're yeah. West Coast conservative. Which meant that we were allowed to dance kind of, not at college, but <laughs> um, smoking and tattoos and alcohol wasn't a big thing for us. But there were belief systems that I think even though where the dial is on the behaviors, the way that we saw behavior was very similar to other conservatives. <clears throat> and it was still, the belief was that stricter is better. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we're starting to change. And it's not saying which rules do you follow, and that's how you gauge conservatism, but how important are rules, period, to how you treat people and how you understand God? Those are the biggest questions I ask. And I think those are the ways that I've started to depart from conservatism and not identify myself as a rule, follower, keeper, enforcer. Um, so even though, you know, I got tattoos early on, I was very strict in other ways about other things, like not kissing until we got married as an example, which is a weird one to some people, but we, you know, people, everyone picks and chooses what rules, um, mm -hmm. they follow. So yeah, those weren't hot button issues for us, but we had other hot button issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think in the last couple years, we... We always saw some gray in life, but the last couple of years we see more and more gray, like not black or white. In terms of behaviors. Thinking, in terms of behaviors, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Man, I had fun. Yeah. Tonight. That was, that was good. Um, thanks for all the call-ins. That was yeah, exciting. that really adds an element, and and we have some backlog calls for next time. So no crickets for you guys. Way to <laughs> way to be there, yep. guys. All right. Well, hey. Oh shit! I have these announcements. I totally forgot about these. Um, I was we, just ready to sign off. Do we have some sound for announcements? No. Um. No, but we can come up with one. Let's just push buttons until we find one. How about <laughs> this one? Perfect. Right. Nice. It's time for announcements. Um, okay, the phone number, if you would like to call in to leave a question or a comment, is 206-651-5744. That and all the links are in the show notes, which is like in the description of YouTube or whatever you guys figured out. You're smart. Um, and we have a special event coming up in two weeks. It is our 25th episode, which is the end of season one, the season finale, <laughs> if you will. It's Of the Fight for Together podcast. It is such a cliffhanger. I'm not even going to tell you guys, but we have a very special guest lined up. 
for that. <laughs> Can you get? Well, I'm not. I don't want you to guess. You're gonna disappoint them. What? You're very special. <laughs> you are not disappointing. Well, okay, you've disappointed me a, a little bit now and again. <laughs> Just the first ten years of our marriage, but that was my expectations that were off. Yeah. Um, it's your fault, not mine. <laughs> um, but we have a very special guest. But how you guys can help us, we haven't plugged this for a little bit, but we would love to hear your stories about how this podcast has impacted you. And I don't want you to blow smoke up our ass and be like, you guys are so amazing. I mean, you can say that. I'm not going to stop you. But <laughs> I would really like to hear just like just like stories. I mean, you, I think sometimes people think, their stories don't matter, but like, I don't know. I just remember people, when we were hiking the trail, people would say things like, oh, I went for a walk with my kids this Saturday mm -hmm. because I think they can do it now. And that's what's cool to me. Or even just saying, I don't feel as alone now because you talked about your experience. No story is too small. Mm -mm. So I'm gonna give the phone number again and you can, leave those messages we we have the next two weeks to do this it's 206-651-5744 that's in addition to the standard questions and, and things but um just let us know it's for the 25th episode and i'm really looking forward to that i don't think there's anything else to say this podcast is available um on youtube if you want to see our beautiful faces and watch us smoking cigars or if you would like to pretend that we're not smoking and that we're following a stricter rule code <laughs> than we do, then you can just listen to the audio on iTunes and Google Play and Spotify and a million other things. And all those links, of course, are down below. And we have a Facebook group where you can discuss. Oh, you know what? Oh, I'm going to drop this bomb. I'm thinking about asking you guys for money. Um, we've never done this before. But I'm thinking I'd like some chairs it's because these lame-ass wooden stools we're sitting on. Amen. <laughs> hurt my ass. And I was like, and I'm not buying new chairs. You know, that's just not going to happen. But I said maybe we'll do like a drive where we'll try and raise money to buy us chairs so we can podcast and sit in something that's actually comfortable. We'll give you a better product, hopefully. It'll be no so, promises, much, so much more amazing. Mm -hmm. And I think we'll really, we'll, if we have the nicer chairs, I'll really be able to get some more special guests in besides the one special guest we always have. Um, actually, I can't think of any specialer guests than that. So, mm -hmm. okay, same special guest, but more comfortable special guests. Okay, you, you guys just think about that. I'm not ready to pitch, you know, we're not going to be accepting funds just yet, but... Don't throw your money at us yet. <laughs> You're going to have to wait. Um, all right. Like and subscribe and all that bullshit. Thank you for listening to Fight for Together. We'll see you next time.